Good morning. It is Wednesday, April 7th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Chris Hummer, national college football reporter, writer, analyst for 24-7 sports, budding video star, frequent podcast guest, Chris Hummer. Thanks for jumping on with me. College football spring games are heating up. We had Clemson last week, got a few more this week. Going gets really good. April weekend of April 17th, Ohio State and, and a few other big powers. And I wanted to take that backdrop as a good opportunity to talk about the transfer portal, which has been so busy in basketball, as you and I both know, and a little bit slower in football, which I'm sure for you is a welcome change ahead of what will likely be a, uh, a busy May of transfer portal action. Yeah, May with the question mark is a good way to put it. I would say the transfer portal has slowed down significantly. We were averaging well over 100 entries per week from about mid-December to, I want to say mid-February, maybe early February, but easily over 100, some weeks 200. So on February 25th, we were at 1,759 uh, players in the transfer portal. So over the last essentially month and a half since then, 1,942. Sorry, I also have a little bit of brain mush. But that's that's about 150 in a month and a half. So it has slowed significantly. A big part of that is the exoduses that were happening after the season were over complete. But we're in a bit of a lull right now as spring's going on. But as you said, May is going to be a time where we start to see this really pick up again. And we already are in some ways as players kind of figure out where they are on the depth chart. Uh, opt to leave, maybe you're a little unhappy with coaching changes, unhappy with scheme changes, as schools, frankly, kind of cut bait with players they want to kind of shed roster-wise to clear up roster spots. Like, there's going to be a lot of movement in late April and kind of early May with that. So it'll it'll certainly kick into gear soon. And you mentioned the other day on a call that there is the expectation that next week we'll see the one-time transfer exception passed by the NCAA. Yeah, that's the that's the expectation. And that's I think like it's going to be made to be a momentous rule change for college football and for college athletics as a whole. And it certainly is. It will allow a player once in their career to transfer without having to sit out the year in residence penalty, essentially, that the NCAA mandates for underclassmen or non-graduate transfers, which will be huge because it means everybody in the transfer portal this year will be eligible to play right away at their new school, which is what the expectation was all offseason and is why we saw transfers happen in record numbers this offseason. But in terms of projecting forward, I don't really think that's going to change the number of players going into the portal later. I think we already saw a lot of that movement occur. And while there might be a few more players trickling in, I don't think we're going to see like a rush after that kind of policy is enacted by the NCAA, which is the expectation uh, next week as the Division One Council meets. And just to be clear, this has nothing to do with COVID. Like the transfer exception is not the same thing as your freebie senior year in a COVID year. This is this is uh, going to be a commonplace rule now throughout college football going forward, which means that your spring and your tough, brutal, long winter of covering the transfer portal, that's not the exception. That's now the rule unless there is a player movement that where they decide transfer is not as great as they think. But this is this is going to apply going forward in college football. Absolutely. Different than different than a COVID waiver, for sure. What it means, basically boiled down, is every player gets five years of eligibility in college football. And now every player, once in their career during that five years, will be allowed to transfer without penalty of having to sit out a season wherever they want. There are still some kind of sticking points with interconference transfer rules. I believe the NCAA's rule set will override kind of some of the conferences in this case. Uh, at least that's the expectation talking to like one or two people in the Big 12, which has a pretty punitive um, interconference transfer rule. 
So if that's the case, every single transfer will be eligible to play right away once in their career. So it's, it's a pretty significant shift and it's the closest thing I think we'll ever see to a free agency type thing happen in college football because there's going to be so many players moving every offseason. And it'll be really interesting ultimately to see who it helps the most. Is it going to help kind of the power programs kind of poaching kids from smaller schools or going to, is it going to help smaller schools or G5 schools kind of poaching players that are really talented who didn't maybe fit in on the power five level and bringing them down to the G5. So it's going to be a really compelling thing to follow the next couple of years as the stand kind of finish sifting. Yeah. And when you say they have five years, you just mean they have five years to play four barring a medical hardship. And in the case of Sam Ellinger, you probably had like 10 years to play eight. It's felt like, so let's go back to the portal. I was looking through it the other day and it really feels like the best players have been picked up at most positions. Now, Eric Gilbert, he he's leaving Florida. I'm not sure if he was ever really there. And he's got, you know, I talked about this with Rusty Manziel the other week. So he's, you know, he's, he's got some things to figure out. Eric Gilbert does. So, you know, not, he's not really the same thing as a Henry Toto, who's probably waiting on the SEC to declare whether interconference transfers would be allowed. But for the most part, barring the, with the exception of those two and a few other guys who have popped up recently, Georgia's got Tyke Smith, the West Virginia safety. He's already off the board. It seems like these guys are, are making their decisions. And, and the reason I went to look the other day at the quarterback room in the transfer portal was because Clemson lost its backup to an Achilles injury. And I just talked to Anna Hickey about the Tigers. And I was kind of interested in, in that situation. I went to look and it's like, you know, there's, there's really not much. Like even Terry Wilson, I believe, is going to uh, New Mexico. So am I correct here? It's, it's, it's pretty slim pickings at this point, barring new entries. Yeah, I mean, like Joe Milton's still in the transfer portal, the former Michigan starting quarterback. But yeah, I think most of our, I think all of our top 50 is accounted for, except for Eric Gilbert, Henry Totella, and Peleke Toe from USC. I might have butchered his name, so I apologize uh, for that one. But yeah, that's all gone. And we're going to see players slowly trickle into the portal. And I think talking to a couple coaches, the expectation is, especially at a position like QB, we're going to see a couple players unhappy with their situation in spring ball and kind of pop into the portal. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think like a place like LSU is a really interesting place to watch with Miles Brennan trying to hold on to his job with two really promising sophomores going. I know there are a couple coaches following that situation closely, and there are going to be other situations like it across college football. But for the most part, outside of maybe like a situation like Landon Dickerson a couple of years ago, he went kind of late uh, in the spring when he opted to transfer from Florida State, um, at least for good. We're not going to see a ton of like program changing movement this offseason. For the most part, starters have already been kind of settled and we're going to kind of see that occur. I think the one interesting part of it might be super seniors. Um, there's a lot of super seniors right now back for the spring. And coaching staffs are kind of making the decisions who they want to keep, who they don't want to keep. Super seniors are kind of deciding the side if they want to play their final year at that school, if they're going to move on. So we might see some really interesting kind of upperclassmen enter the portal that might be a little unexpected. So that'll be something to follow for sure. And you hit on something there too. The spring can see transfers happen that you otherwise like wouldn't expect. So last February... You might not have looked at Trey Sermon and said he's a candidate to transfer last February. But then the first week of March, Master Teague, the presumed Ohio State running back, suffers an AC, uh, an Achilles injury. Two weeks later, Trey Sermon enters the transfer portal after we spent two weeks talking about Ohio State <laughs> is badly in need of a transfer running back. I'm certainly not saying there was any 
tampering. That's that's not at all. Tampering doesn't tampering doesn't happen in college football, Trey. I don't know yeah. what you would even be referring to. That no, players don't get contacted until until they officially hit the portal. No, I, absolutely I don't not. Get, I don't want I don't want to get Ohio State fans mad at me. So I'm 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 literally not suggesting that. I'm just saying if you're a quarterback out there, Chris, you know, and you see the 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 injury to Tyson Pumanchan that at the Clemson backup that's like okay you know I I could go be a backup there um and and hopefully he's the only notable injury that we have throughout spring but he probably won't be so it is interesting to see there won't just be transfers of guys going hey I finished spring I tried really hard but I'm still fifth on the depth chart and I don't want to be fifth I'd like to at least be third and then there's going to be stars who you know, might not be loving their situation and might have a place where they can upgrade, which is hard to upgrade from Oklahoma to upgrade from being the co-running back at Oklahoma is pretty tough to do, Chris. But when yeah. a place like Ohio State has an opening for the sole number one spot, that is an upgrade. I mean, these conversations happen all the time with players being unhappy. I believe you talked to Shay Dixon about Eli Ricks' situation, both this off season and last fall, like yep. there were rumors that Eli might enter the transfer portal because he was unhappy and he was in the perfect situation at LSU, at least on the surface. So this can happen at any point in the calendar, which is why the transfer portal is always interesting. And I would point out there are even situations sometimes, and we saw that this year, especially with kind of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten looking like they're going to sit out that players like at the beginning of fall camp might opt to transfer and end up playing elsewhere. Texas Tech had quite a few defensive players in a very similar situation like that in 2020. So like the transfer portal never sleeps. And while we won't see kind of the rushing rapids that we did in uh, December and January in terms of pure numbers, there are always going to be a few players trickling in here and there. And a lot of situation and in some situations like with Tyke Smith, they could be really high profile players doing so that are just looking for kind of a fresh situation. Have there been any players in the last two weeks that, and I don't know how you do it, when you when you learn per your sources out there in the transfer portal, any holy curse word ball moments recently? I mean, hey, you had that one night where all the all the Tennessee guys entered, but and you can be honest, Chris, I don't think there's been any um, stop what you're doing. This guy just entered the transfer portal moments in a few weeks now. No, we haven't had any bombs in a while. Like Smith was a big one. I think he's like a potential kind of all-American candidate at West Virginia this year, which was a huge deal for that market. But when we're talking like nationally, like games that just make you stop, names that make you stop and pause. No, we haven't had that in a little bit. I think Taj Washington, who transferred from Memphis to USC, was a huge surprise kind of around Memphis, but he's not really a national name at this point. And other than that, yeah, it's it's been a little while since we've had kind of a bomb drop in the transfer portal. So I'm sure one or two are coming. Um, that always happens. And there are certainly some names out there uh, we're watching and keeping an eye on. But it's possible that your your dog was letting you know that there's someone in the transfer portal, too. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Chewy, um, Chewy, Chewy does like to keep up with the portal, so it makes sense. Yeah, well, that's really all you do is, is look at the portal. And then thematically, Chris, it does seem recently... Like Washington is just suffering portal loss after portal loss. Marquis Spiker had another receiver, Osborne, enter the portal. Puga Nakua earlier entered the portal, and, he, and he's transferring. Are you concerned about them? I'll let, I'll give you some time to pull that up. But that seems to me we do we always do portal winners and losers. It seems like the Huskies recently have been bleeding out a bit. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing so much uh, talk about Sam Hewitt at Washington this offseason, the true freshman five-star coming in. We saw 
Dylan Morris, like be very okay last year as a redshirt freshman, but I think it's been since 2016, since Washington's had a top 40 passing attack nationally. And I think we're seeing some of these receivers kind of leave the program as a result of that. Like they did not want to lose Puka Nakua. I think he's a guy that a lot of our kind of guys our scouts at 24 seven still view as a day one or day two pick. If he gets things kind of rolling, Ty Jones was an elite recruit coming out of high school. Marquis Spiker was an elite recruit coming out of high school. Austin Osborne was a four-star recruit. All of them have left the program without making a huge impact kind of during their tenure. And I think that's both a little bit of as a result of them not succeeding at Washington, which is partially on them, but it's also kind of a result of Washington not being in a really appealing place for receivers. And I think we're seeing kind of the results of that right now in the transfer portal. They had to go get a guy like Jalen Polk from Texas Tech adding him to the roster through the transfer portal. But it's going to be difficult for Washington to recruit these kind of elite skill players if that offense doesn't show signs of life soon, at least in my opinion. Yeah. As we wrap up, I was just going through our positions by positions in the 24-7 sports transfer portal. There is a noticeable, you mentioned the linebackers, our top two, or sorry, two of our top three linebackers have not made a decision. Uh, There is an Alabama crystal ball for Henry Toto. And then the Clemson cornerback, Darion Kendrick, who transferred, and we gave him a a rating of 94 as our top cornerback. He has not chosen a destination yet. It seemed when he entered, there might be a who's who of schools after him. I remember Georgia was in the mix, Ohio State. And when I say in the mix, you know, rumors, but, but then he was, uh, it came out that he had been arrested earlier oh, too. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I, I did a lot of reporting on Darren Kendrick originally. It was Georgia, Florida, Texas talked to him a little bit. There are quite a few schools kind of in the mix for him, but yeah, I think a lot of that interest has waned after he was arrested on, I believe. I don't want to, I don't want to speculate, but he was arrested during that process. And I know it took kind of a lot of the interest away from him from a lot of these kind of top schools. Yeah. It makes sense. And that, Hey, as we wrap this up, that used to be, you know, I don't want to hamper, hamper Darian Kendrick here, but the uh, the red flags used to be like the only thing associated with the transfer, Chris. It was, oh, you sure you want him? There's a reason he transferred. And now it's, you look through this portal and for the most part, there's really no good reason that most of these players transferred other than to be a little bit uh, happier and more secure in their college football home, which I love, big advocate for. I know it's a little bit dizzying right now. I feel bad for our basketball guys. I'm glad that you have a little bit of a break, but it, it, it seems like you're uh, I think you got a vacation coming up and then it's, it seems like the portal is going to be back in action. <laughs> It'll be waiting. It'll be waiting for me. Looking forward to it. All right, Chris Hummer. Thank you for joining us. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris underscore Hummer. I am going to be in trouble, Chris, if I don't do this master's plug and I I'm excited to do it. So we're going to read it right now. And after the plug, you're going to tell us who you've got winning the masters. Okay. So if you think good. about it, and I think it's, and I'll tell you who my pick is too. I think it'll be worthwhile um, because this is one of the best weeks of the year and it's obviously master's week. And that means CBS sports HQ is your home for round the clock coverage from Augusta. That includes tournament picks, round by round matchups, highlights, leaderboard updates. And we even have our pal from the first cut podcast, Oklahoma state Superfan Kyle Porter on site, providing up to the minute updates. So you'll know everything there is to know from Augusta. If you're wondering what CBS sports HQ is, it's our 24 seven, 365 days a year sports news network. How do you get it? It's easy and it's free. Just go to cbssports.com, the CBS sports mobile app, or fire up the CBS sports app on your connected TV and watch yourself become the most in the know sports fan on your group text. Chris, on the count of three, we're going to say who we have winning it, okay? 
right, sounds good. No, we're not actually going to do that. I don't want it to be annoying, but who who do you got? <laughs> I will go with Justin Thomas. I think he's been playing really good golf the last six months. He was the top five finisher at the Masters uh, back when it was played in November. I love his game. I think he's one of the most consistent players in the world. Um, it's tempting not to pick. It's tempting to pick DJ again. Uh, I picked him in November when he won, um, and he's hard to kind of go against. But I think I've got Justin Thomas putting on the green jacket. All right. Well, I got 25 bucks saying Jordan Spieth wins the Masters. I, I can't. Oh, that's bold. It. That's bold. Oh, come on. He, he just won the Valero. He, he did that the first time he won the Masters. I, uh, I'm i rooting for my former classmate at the University of Texas, and I am, uh, I'm really excited to watch him. Chris Hummer, thanks again for joining us. I like the the odds. I would take I would take our picks. Justin Thomas, a little bit of Dustin Johnson, and Jordan Spieth against the field. Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, former uh, kind of teenage rivals, by the way. So oh, no, they're French. They're good. Friends. No, no, they were, but they were they were on kind of the AJGA circuit at the same time, and they played a lot of golf against each other growing up. Our producer Lance Glenn, thanks to Chris Hummer for joining us. I'm Trey Scott. We'll talk to you next time on the College Football Daily.